Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Bottoming, the podcast about LGBTQ mental health, rock bottoming and beyond. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BottomingPod or visit BottomingPodcast.com for more content relating to each episode. We've also added a support page to direct you to the right place if you're struggling or need someone to talk to. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe. Hi, I'm Brendan. And I'm Matthew, and our pronouns are he and him. Today, our episode is with Sharon Dallywell, who is talking about Burnt Roti magazine and Middlesex Pride. But before we get into that gorgeous interview, it's been another busy week for bottoming. It has. We handed in our last newsletter for Joe Malone London. If you've been following along, you will know that we're, we've taken over the internal communications for Joe Malone. For the month of Pride, so it was lovely to round off that project with a topic on allyship. Mm-hmm. It's been mad that it's gone so fast. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, I know we're recording this the third week of Pride, but mm-hmm. it's been a lot of months work gone mm-hmm. into that, a lot of conversations, and I mean, it always happens. Pride just a blink of an eye and it's gone. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure working with um, Joe Malone London mm-hmm. for this month. Special shout out to Alistair, Kelly, Phoebe, and Nicola for all the work they've put into the project with Mm -hmm. us and for getting us involved. It's Mm -hmm. been a dream. Yeah, thank you all so, so much. It's been a real pleasure. Um, Another nice surprise that we spotted this week. So Happy Full Magazine, which is a mental health and wellbeing magazine on a mission to create a healthier and happier society. They featured us in their top 10 for July, which was gorgeous to see. It was lovely. We've been really fortunate to have had a lot of really nice coverage um, over the last few weeks, especially. And I think just kind of getting this little this little bit in Happy Full magazine as well, mm. given it is dedicated to mental health, was kind of the little cherry on the 
pride cake. <laughs> yeah, it's really gorgeous. So thank you. You can actually read about that online. We'll post the link on our website. Quick reminder to those who have been listening, you can now vote for us in the British Podcast Awards Listener's Choice Awards, uh, supported by BBC Sounds. The closing date for this is the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. So make sure you log on, go to britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote, type in bottoming, add in your details. It should take less than 15 seconds and you will have voted for us. If you've done it, don't forget to click in the email link that they send you to confirm the vote as well. Yes, confirm, um, <laughs> Yeah, we've been we've been quite quiet on that, actually. But if you, if you could take the time to vote, we would very much appreciate you doing that. How's your week been? I mean, as I've said every freaking week since the start of the year at this point, it's been really busy. However, last week, I can talk a bit more about some of the things I was doing because some of them were extracurricular. Mm-hmm. So as well as, obviously, the day job, I also was on two panels I'd agreed to. One of them was for PR Fest, which is, it's in the name, it's a festival for the PR industry. Not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> and the intention of that was to um, open up the conversation about diversity and kind of how to progress the industry forward because for quite some time, it's been quite a stagnant space to work within. Mm-hmm. It's called Take or Leave. And we just discussed what we'd like to take and leave from the last 18 months, mm. kind of in work and also professionally. And the really nice thing that everyone raised in different ways, but kind of came out on top, was that the thing that they want to keep from the last 18 months is the focus on mental health. Mm. Whether that's through employers or like their own kind of awareness of how their own mental health works. Mm-hmm. Flexibility and mental health kind of came out on top, which was great. Some of the things people want to get rid of included really tacky Zoom backgrounds. Oh, be gone. <laughs> Another thing, kind of working longer hours than you probably should do if you're in an office. Again, links into the mental health aspect. So mm. yeah, that was really nice. And the other panel I did was for my G work. Again, that kind of focus of that was mental health and well-being in the LGBT community. So I was a little bit more nervous about that because I knew that the audience was going to be a, a chunk bigger. Mm-hmm. And it was. And it was just honestly... There was six different people on there, all from a different range of like organizations. And there was someone from Positively UK, which is a HIV charity here in the UK. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was so fantastic. Like the, the panel were all really, really encouraging and supportive. But honestly, seeing the chat box, mm. it was like on fire the entire time with just people helping one another. Aww. So there was a few people that put some questions in the box saying, you know, I've struggled with this at work or you know, I'm thinking about this or I've had a colleague that this has happened with, like, how can I support? And just seeing so many people, like, respond to one another mm-hmm. in the chat box and then respond really well to what all of the panel was saying was just really, really lovely. So even though it was kind of a, a super busy week, I'm really glad I did it. Oh, my God, and I also am on a new podcast. Um, of course. <laughs> of course, how could I forget? Um, <laughs> it started the week off with a podcast with Angelica Bell. Icon Angelica Bell. Shook. Honestly, same. And she, well, she is just stunning. It was about 37 degrees that day. It was very, very warm. And she made a joke about how, you know, I said I was flustered. And she was like, oh, I'm going to pretend that that's because it was me. And I was like, oh, it, it actually is. Yeah, it is. Ten-year-old me would be shaking if he knew that he was going to be speaking with you right now. But yeah, that will be out sometime in July. It's for Rewirement Podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's a legal and general podcast talking about how to make retirement better. So we were specifically talking about LGBT retirement. Not your um, own. Not my own retirement, no. I've still got a little bit to go. <laughs> um, but yeah, that'll be out next month. So my love, how mm-hmm. have you been? 
I've been actually really good. I've had a nice week. It's been a lovely week. I've been in Cornwall. Mm-hmm. We got really lucky with the weather. It was gorgeous, sunny most days, apart from the final day when it was a bit cloudy, but still mm-hmm. gorgeous by the sea. Mm-hmm. There was a an engagement, <laughs> which me and the other boys knew about. All of the girls didn't know Little about. Sneak. There was like lots of fireworks on the beach. The little dog Jasper, bless him, got really scared, but I cradled him for a couple of hours by the campfire, so that was gorgeous. Yeah, that was really cute. The first of our friendship group to get engaged, mm-hmm. so it feels like a bit of a milestone. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to Tom and Eve. I actually learned a new game called Spike Ball. We've seen the injuries. Well, yes, I've got a huge bruise on my leg. You're a sportsman. I'm just so masked and so into sport. <laughs> so into sports right now. Yeah. <laughs> one other thing i'd like to speak about very briefly before we go into the interview with sharon on social media the last few weeks there's been quite a few posts i've seen being shared especially come from liverpool there's been a kind of a an increase in home quite violent homophobic attacks Mm. um, in the city over the last few weeks and the people that have been impacted have taken social media really bravely to share what's happened to them to kind of raise awareness and some of the images are really quite graphic Mm -hmm. there's lots of blood there's a lot of beaten up faces and i think it's just a reminder again especially during pride month when we've kind of seen lack of action again from the uk government and the press and treatment of trans people in the uk we've seen just last week hungary brought in a law that echoes of section 28 the bans teaching of anything lgbt related in schools Mm -hmm. it's it's pride month and seeing all of these negative things crop up again again and again if you are listening to this and you are not yourself LGBT, this is what we talk about when we talk about allyship and what it means. It doesn't just mean listening to the podcast. Mm. It doesn't mean saying, I like gays or I've got a gay friend. Resharing a post on Instagram is one small step. When you reshare something like that, that can be quite triggering for a lot of people if they've experienced the same. Mm-hmm. So I understand in one way, sharing something to raise awareness. But seeing so many posts of an 18, 19 year old with his face beaten in Mm. is not a very nice thing. And I know that people, a lot of people will just share, carry on with the day. The point I'm trying to make with this is if you are one of those people that has done this and kind of know it's bad, Mm -hmm. the next step is what you then do in your own personal life. And that is if you hear someone making comments, if you have a partner a parent, a grandparent, a colleague, if you have any of these people in your life, do you hear making even the smallest of comments? This is the time where you need to make a stand and pull them up on that and have a conversation with them Mm -hmm. because it can very quickly escalate into something much, much bigger. And this is the same when we talk about transphobia, about racism. It's always down to the people that let it happen. It shouldn't be down to the people that have to deal with this on the day-to-day to to then have to educate people. It should be down to people that are the bystanders because if you're bystanding, you're just as bad as the people perpetuating it to begin with. So this Pride Month, I'm just asking you to have a little bit more thought and be a little bit more direct in what it is you're doing as a quote-unquote ally. One of the really nice things I've seen in the days after a lot of these posts have been shared, there has been some coverage in different spaces in different press. But I've seen a lot of local businesses in Liverpool and obviously a lot of the charities, Homotopia, mm-hmm. are one that have shared something. And Gyro, the LGBT youth organisation in Liverpool, 
a lot of these have really amped up what they're doing across social. Local businesses have been making sure that LGBT people in the city know that they can go to their businesses as a safe space. They've been sharing maps and contact details if there's ever an issue while people are out and about and they need somewhere to go to to feel safe. And it's just really nice to see the community coming together in that way. Obviously, wish it wasn't needed, but that's the kind of direct kind of things that we can be doing and we should really be seeing more of. So I think the reason that this has got me so fired up particularly is obviously any sort of violence against LGBTQ people is fucked up but Liverpool Pride when that came back 2010-2011 that was a direct response to the murder of Michael Causa and that was a homophobic attack so to to see 10 years later violence again in the city in such kind of high numbers followed by a really rapid response from organisations and individuals in the city yeah I think that is just the reason why I'm so fired up So for week four of Pride Month, we spoke with Sharon Dallywell, who founded the UK's leading South Asian magazine, Burnt Roti, and she's also the director of Middlesex Pride, which is, again, had a real significant impact on the local South Asian community. As well as both of those enormous tasks, she also is the creator of Oqueer Cupid, which is a queer speed dating and comedy night. This was a very fun interview, Mm -hmm. obviously from that intro. Sharon does a lot of different things and it was an absolute pleasure to speak to her. So here we go. My name is Sharon Daliwal. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I'm the editor of Burnt Ruddy Magazine, uh, director of Middlesex Pride and the creator of O Queer Cupid and writer. Burnt Ruddy started five years ago. It was started because I guess I wanted more South Asian representation anywhere I looked and I found that most of the representation happened to be Bollywood or weddings and even though I like Bollywood I don't really like weddings that much Um, I just didn't find anything that just cool to me and it was really frustrating because like I, I guess I was kind of happy to read most mainstream magazines But there was a disconnect, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's so many similarities that I had that I wanted to read about. But then I also knew that there lacked that intersectionality for me to really delve into. So I was kind of just like, oh, because I like doing everything about me, (laughs) let's start a magazine. And I was kind of like, let's start a magazine because I want to talk about me. And I was like, (laughs) I want to talk about my body hair. I want to talk about like my mental health. And then I started like releasing these articles and people were just like, yeah, same, like exactly the same. And I was like, oh, damn, it's not just about me, (laughs) like, (laughs) which is good, you know. Um, And it was just like this kind of like, really beautiful moment where loads of people just reached out and said yeah like we needed this too we want to say the same things and we had nowhere else to say and really I mean there were a few other places I guess where you could like place an article or you could like have a discussion but I think when you are missing uh, someone that understands that representation or understands that identity you kind of feel almost coerced to write something a certain way, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I know a lot of, like, uh, people of colour that are scared to write white or racist sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Including myself, like, I mean, we're going to talk about this later, but I wrote a whole book and I had to be like, 
And every time I wrote whiteness or white supremacy, I was like, oh, <laughs> why am I doing that? Like, yes, I'm literally discussing those things. But sometimes it's so difficult to do. Um, so, yeah, Banwati is kind of that space to just be like, you know, fully comfortable. Um, it's totally OK to talk about whatever. Uh, and there's no white person there that's going to make you feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. You mentioned there about talking about your mental health and mm-hmm. within the mental health section, there's articles covering enmeshment trauma, eating disorders, representation, depression, anxiety, as well as an interview you did uh, in 2019 with Axir, a queer mm-hmm. feminist psychotherapist. Her practice, Ina, uh, uses art therapy, active listening and meditation to tackle Delhi's stigma around depression, sexuality and anxiety. Can you talk about some of the takeaways from this interview and how it relates to your own mental health journey? Yeah, that interview was really great. Um, I think that interview was the start of my new understanding around things like wellness and my mental health. It was very rare that I was able to have a discussion with someone who was actually from India that runs a practice around mental health. So having that opportunity to have that discussion was amazing. But what I noticed from that is I now am aware of how wellness or the techniques of me dealing with my mental health tend to be around practices that are colonized, like colonized practices. So there's a lot of movements at the moment that talk about like decolonizing a meditation, decolonizing yoga and being able to take back kind of the history and the trauma so that you can release trauma. It's like adding trauma on trauma, basically, mm-hmm. when something is colonized. So that kind of opened a new chapter of my understanding around mental health which I didn't expect to happen at all. So my journey with my mental health has been incredibly all over the place because I haven't really had any support. I'm pretty sure I'm still on the NHS waiting list. I think it's been about three years. I think they've misplaced my name or done something or I've disappeared basically in the system. So like I've kind of just never really had proper help. I've, I've been to counselling a few times, but I feel like there's a big chunk they're missing. I realized that as I was doing that, I was looking for things um, in the meantime to fill the gaps. And a lot of it came in the way of like self-love and wellness and taking care of yourself within your own capabilities. And that's when that interview and a few other conversations I've had with certain yoga teachers have kind of like opened my understanding about why it was so difficult for me to attain wellness. And I think it was after the conversations, it's got a lot to do with uh, the colonization of wellness that makes a lot of people of color feel uncomfortable and then have to run through trauma to then deal with the like original trauma that they came, you know, for the wellness for. So, yeah, like my journey has been really interesting. I'm now in this kind of like place where I'm in my mind discussing where I sit with the idea of wellness, uh, because taking it away from the idea of self-love, which is a very selfish act to, without like discounting the idea of self-love, but the inherent concept of it, and then moving it into a the only way that I, for example, can find any kind of appreciation and like love, I suppose, for myself is when I give it out to other people, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's kind of where a lot of wellness actually sits in, when it where it originates from. So like a lot of Buddhism, for example, is like, you know, like the whole breathing in and out thing, you know, you're meant to breathe out like the badness and breathe in the goodness. Whereas in reality, you breathe in the badness so that you take it away from the places around you and then you deal with it inside of your body. And it's that concept of like the idea of self-love is about taking away others' pain. 
And I now find that my journey with my mental health, my idea of wellness has now become my work Mm -hmm. and my activism. Because that's always where I've always found the most joy Mm -hmm. and the most kind of like, I don't know, like I can express myself in many ways on all those different forms that I create. But it's not until I see the reactions or the kind of like the consequence of everything I do that I'm suddenly just like, oh, that was amazing. I feel great. And it's not just an adrenaline rush. It's not just that because it's an actual memory. It's a moment and it stays with you and you can keep that forever, you know, Um, and that then changes conversations. It changes people, Mm -hmm. et cetera. That is my journey now with like how I deal with my mental health within the capabilities I have. Congratulations on landing your book deal. (laughs) What should we expect from that book? Okay, so this book is really interesting. When I first came up with the idea, I was like, I want to talk about, again, (laughs) this book is about me, (laughs) me, me, me. I was like, I want to talk about like body hair, beauty standards and like all of this stuff because I've had a nose job about uh, 10 years ago. The accurate date is in the book. So you're going to have to buy it Um, (laughs) like some time ago. Um, And I've like, I removed like uh, body and facial hair and then like laser eye surgery. Like, you know, I have problems with my teeth and my asymmetrical face and all these things that I'm just like, oh, it has to get perfect. And then I've had like body and uh, disordered eating for like a long time. So I was just like, I could write about all of that because I love ranting about that kind of stuff. Um, but then when I sat down and actually started pulling this book together, I realized that it's so much more than just, you know, about me and the way that I look. I realized that it's got a lot to do with like my queerness, my queer identity, um, immigration, my family's kind of like root hair that includes like a history of like, obviously it goes deep in colonization. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of like talks about the journey's hair, but like, I think underlying the whole thing is the idea that my queerness has been kind of, I guess, not erased, just kind of ignored. It's kind of just been like, I I didn't realize I was being raised straight Mm -hmm. instead of just raised, you know, because I was raised to marry a man, Mm -hmm. essentially. And so like, I realized that all of those things that I am now going to end up talking about in this book, whether it is about my beauty standards, which have now changed that I, you know, in I'm what, now that I'm in a relationship with a woman. So I don't know, that was so hard to say. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I've had a lot of coffees. That's why that was hard to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, now that I'm in a relationship with a queer woman, I find that like, you know, my journey with my body has actually changed. And it was because of these underlying issues with like, you know, men, patriarchy, these are kind of expectations and that kind of underlies all of that. And so it that also then talks about like radical self-love. It talks about like, you know, slut shaming. Mm-hmm. It talks about preferences. It's all these kind of like journeys that I've had that I've experienced. But like, there's also a caveat that's like, you know, I've experienced it as a light-skinned North Indian Punjabi cis woman. The pre-order part of it's gonna be actually something that's coming up soon. So like keep an eye on my socials for that. But um, the book's out next year in February. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a look at uh, some of the designs mm-hmm. and like the cover and stuff and there was a lot of screaming on my end. So no, yeah, it's cool. looking very cool. Good screaming. Yeah, yeah, good screaming. No, not like horror screaming. Let me say this on a podcast where like my publisher can hear this. No, it's good, good screaming. 
as you mentioned at the beginning, you're also the director of Middlesex Pride. Why did you feel something like this was needed in Middlesex? Yeah, so I grew up in Southall and Hounslow and kind of stayed a bit in Felsham for a while. I call it the Golden Triangle, Hounslow, Southall, Felsham. It's like where all the kind of like South Asian immigrants tend to be around. Hayes is down there. That's when you get like an octagon. Meh. I won't get into that. Anyway, um, <laughs> I grew up around those areas and I became very well aware that they're very heavily immigrant areas. But I was also considering why it took me so long to feel comfortable to come out. So like I came out three years ago and I'm 37 now. So it it was a long time in my life of just not being out and just not being able to live publicly as myself. And I was just like, yeah, I understand that there's loads of reasons why when it comes culturally and then there's also all these kind of other kind of things that society throws down on you that I obviously battled with. But then I also realized that most of my childhood in these areas, there was absolutely no visibility or representation of any queerness at all. And it was almost like queerness was a city white thing, you know? It was really strange. And I, I when I came out, I came out in an article in Bentwood D and I was just like, da, 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 I'm out and kind of like ran away. It was just like, oh, nobody called me. Um, and I got a bunch of messages which were amazing. But then I didn't realize this was going to happen, but I got uh, like, I don't know, close to like 50 messages from people from the Middlesex area who were South Asian, who were like, yeah, like we grew up in those areas and we didn't feel like coming out either. Mm. And I was like, that is fascinating. That's really interesting. And so when I delved into that a bit more, I realized that it was a lot of it's to do with a lack of education Mm -hmm. more than anything, a lack of understanding. Um, a lot of these immigrant communities that come here, they're not really open to these kind of like other subcultures that are within England, let alone London. You know, they stay <clears throat> they stay in family homes or they go to religious centers and they go shopping. You know, they haven't been given the access to be able to assimilate in a way that will be able to that will allow them to be able to, like, you know, understand a lot of like the uh, way people live in London. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, I guess they need someone to go to them and be like, this is everything. And I was like, it's me. Of course it's me. So <laughs> I I spoke to a few people and I just decided that we needed something. We needed, and I wanted it to be a pride as well because I wanted it to just continue. Mm-hmm. I just, I didn't want it to be a one-off idea. I wanted it to be some something that people, that queer young people who were in Middlesex could be, like excited about something they could look forward to something that they weren't like oh we'd have to travel all the way to central london to have a pride event you know Mm. so we can go down the road and have a pride event and if an auntie comes along it's actually okay because this has been going on for years now you know i wanted that kind of idea so i was like cool let's just do a pride like (laughs) apparently they're easy to do (laughs) just throw it together right like yeah no it's not (laughs) um so it was meant to happen last year, but obviously pandemic. So we're doing it this year. Uh, it's still going to be digital, though, for various amount of reasons. Um, one, because like, I just don't trust people, to be honest. Two, because we're doing it in a heavily immigrant area and they've been disproportionately affected by COVID. So we don't want to make things worse, you know. And also because there's a potential plan of me not being in this piss island for that much longer. <laughs> So 
I might have to do it, you know, remotely yeah. anyway, you know, just direct remotely, not like do mm -hmm. anything really, because it's all the performers and cool people who will be doing mm -hmm. all this stuff. So those, those are the reasons I decided to do it online. And then I was like, cool, then afterwards, because it's going to continue afterwards, you know, people mm -hmm. can take the lead and just go with it. Yeah. Um, so it can just continue to exist. But yeah, it was genuinely because I was just like, you know, people aren't coming out there and people aren't comfortable there. They wait till they leave. Mm -hmm until they can actually live their true selves. I don't know of any queer bars, organizations, anything in Hounslow, or probably not Southall, to be honest. I mean, it's Little, little India, it's mostly just sari shops. Um, so, you know, mm. I think it just needs it. It needs it. Yeah. And I feel like this will then open up loads of other people to do little things. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, that's the hope, that's... you know? I think it's especially important when you think of london pride mm -hmm. pride in london should we say you know obviously this year last year there's been a ton of issues mm -hmm. um internally with them and racism internally in their teams and there's yeah. always debates about how their parades work in different different situations and that's an entire other conversation that we could have but you mentioned kind of accessibility wise mm -hmm. we would feel comfortable attending a pride like that mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's when we if we were to see that sort of a setup and a group of people we can see ourselves in there. Whereas, as yeah. you say, in your own community, if you don't see yeah. yourself represented in that, you, you're never going to feel like you can do. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I, I'm aware that kind of like, you know, queer culture in big cities, especially, mm. uh, as you know, I mean, I can't imagine villages having like immigrant community gatherings for queer people. Um, so like most queer organizations and events, they do tend to be uh, white, cis, male led if not like, you know, predominantly just attended by, it tends to be led by. And so the problem isn't only just like, you know, people don't have anywhere to go because they don't feel welcomed. They don't have the means to be able to create something, yeah. you know? So like my biggest problem with most of what I do, because I just wake up and go, let's do that now because I'm an idiot. Most of the problems I have is funding mm -hmm. because like nowhere wants to give, like unless you it ticks enough boxes for them, which like Middlesex Pride will because it's like, queer and south asian and then there's aspects of religion and all this kind of stuff and they're like oh my god we're ticking so many boxes <laughs> um <laughs> so this might do but like it's really difficult to get funding for things like this you know mm. and because like you know most marginalized communities tend not to be on like you know the top of lists of most things to be able to make enough money to fund things themselves mm -hmm. so it's really difficult to put things together and i want to be able to and the reason I, I do these kind of like annoying things where i just like oh let me just create this now and create this now and create that now is i just want to show that it's actually not that hard to put something simple together mm -hmm. and then it can grow out of that like mm -hmm. where the possibilities can be seen from it so like things like oh queer cupid which is like a speed dating and comedy night mm -hmm. i was just like honestly i was like i'm tired of apps i am not getting laid i was like i'm gonna do this whole queer speed dating thing so i can like you know find some hot people um and then it turns out i had to host it so i was like oh great sharon but like it was so cool it was so cool because it was like all genders all sexualities all ethnicities religions all abilities people felt welcomed and kind of comfortable to like do this speed dating sit together with and it wasn't like you know we're coming because i'm gay and you're gay that means we're compatible it's like i'm coming because like i haven't been able to sit in a room with these many different types of people mm. and be able to like have conversations and it was kind of like this community building thing mm. 
and then like you know the first one happened and then it like I had a few more and it was getting like bigger and like cooler and like and then it was in like Time Out magazine and stuff like that and I was just like it's just me trying to get laid <laughs> but it's genuinely just like anyone can like put anything together if they really wanted to because if I can like anyone can and it's just that kind of thing that I'm like don't wait for like the white man to do it you can do it yourself yeah Sure. Just like it will be harder though, because you know money. You know? I mean, going back to um, what you were talking about with pride and even the attendance of pride and not feeling, you know, like yeah, you can see yourself in the world. Because I mean, we 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 had an episode where we spoke about regional queerness and being from you know up north and there being mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. little queer representation, and it does a whole lot of of harboring and and nurturing shame and all of these different things which can impact your mental health as well so i just want to say it's i think it's fantastic that you're mm-hmm. doing that in middlesex so i think it's going to change a lot of attitudes and make people feel a lot more comfortable so. yeah fingers crossed fingers crossed it i mean that's always the intention to create mm-hmm. something that makes like you know makes a difference so and so when are the online events going to happen uh 26th of september yeah uh so it's going to be kind of like an online experience where everything's going to be pre-recorded mm-hmm and then available from the 26th of September for the rest of the year. So there's going to be things like, you know, things to rewatch, um, things to do with wellness. There's going to be a couple of like documentary style things. There's going to be like one or two panels, but I'm sick and tired of panels, to be honest, like honestly, especially like online ones, like, like no one wants that. And then like some sets and stuff. I just want it to like stay up there as well because I don't want Pride to just be like, there then gone (laughs) and I want people to be able to like go on it and like you know if they're especially the wellness things if they're like oh I remember that thing that video I watched and they want to see it again like Mm -hmm. I want people to just have continuous access Mm -hmm. so it's going to be there for the whole year until the next one which will hopefully happen in person (laughs) I I feel like I've done this at every interview recently and Brendan's going to kill me because I don't know what the question is that I've got it was just more something that you posted last night (laughs) the Instagram thing Oh my God. Sorry, I be, always want to delete Instagram. I always want to delete it. And they're basically saying to me, yeah, Sharon, delete it. So for context, just because... Sorry. Because kind of, <laughs> I've seen a couple of people post similar things yeah. about Instagram's treatment of people of colour on the app. Mm-hmm. And obviously, for context of people listening, last night you shared a screenshot of a DM you got of someone's um, genitals... He had just sent them right in there. And yep. you were making a point to be like, this is what happens all of the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Instagram came for you <laughs> yeah. to say, if you post this again, we will delete your account. Mm-hmm. And they then limited your account to say that you can't post branded content. Is that right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So thanks, Insta. Um, yeah. So like I have this kind of really uncomfortable kind of relationship with Instagram. Because one, I have Burnt Woody's Instagram, which I need a live and I need a lot of information on. And then I have a personal one, which is kind of just like, sometimes my selfie game just kills it, you know? And people need to see that, you know? Sometimes my, like, my tits look great. People need to see that, right? So I have my personal one. And also I do, like, loads of, like, interesting campaigns and stuff that I want to put up there. Or, like, sometimes, like, and this is the stage I've been trying to get to. Sometimes I get free stuff. And I'm like, yes, thank you. I hate buying things. Thank you for the free stuff. And so like I I use my personal Instagram for that. Now Instagram is like, has been limiting my account for a while now. 
because my engagement went high recently, but I now have another uncomfortable relationship, which is I have started becoming more comfortable with showing my body and my body hair mm -hmm. on my Instagram. And all of the cis men out there think that that's fair game. Mm. So they're all in my DMs being like, oh, this, I don't know if you want to hear it. You can cut this out. But they say, I want to suck on your armpit hair. Like, I'm like, excuse. Yeah. Also, you, like, what is wrong with you? But like, it's it's gotten to the point where I've now had this really uncomfortable relationship with Instagram mm. uh, anyway. And now it's gotten worse because all these men think they can comment this weird stuff. And then I was like, I was saying to my friend yesterday, I was like, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm going to put one of the pictures mm -hmm. with aubergines on it, on my stories, just because I know these people watch my stories, just to be like, I'm outing you, yeah. stop doing it, right? And yeah, Instagram was like, mm -hmm, you have violated our terms. I was like, me? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? What is going on? And then, yeah, it removed my branded uh, content tools access and then has limited my account as well. So like no one can really, unless they search it, they can't really find it. And so like I'm not coming up in people's feeds at the moment and stuff. And it's just so frustrating. It's like I haven't done anything. I'm the one that's had all of this stuff coming to me. Yeah. And now they're making, yeah, it's just victim blaming. And I've just like, I've done a whole day of ranting already. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of just like, you know what? Instagram, delete me. Just like remove these shackles that you have over me at the moment because I'm addicted to you, but I hate you. It's really annoying because it happens to so many people I know as well. Yeah. And they're all people of color. They're all queer people of color, in yeah. fact. What they should do, and this is if anyone in Instagram is listening to this, <laughs> What they should do is give you an option to say, I don't want people to be able to send me photos and DMs. Mm -hmm. And if you turn that on, then, yeah. you know, amazing. You know, that's what I want. Just do that at least while you sort out your whole organization. What a gorgeous human Sharon is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as she mentioned, Burning My Roti is to be released Feb 2022. So more information will be shared on that soon. If you would like to find out more information about anything that Sharon has just spoken about, we will, as always, put all of the links in the episode description. But you can head to Instagram and follow Sharon at Sharon Daliwal underscore. For Middlesex Pride, you can go to at Middlesex Pride. And Burnt Roti Magazine is at Burnt Roti Mag. Next week is our final episode for Pride Month. I feel like it was a mere two minutes ago that I said, it's a five-week month. But also it feels like six months oh ago. Oh my God, at least. Yeah. However, a five-week month, that means we got to speak to an extra set of people for our final episode for what the month. And honestly, I'm going to say now, this episode, it really got me. Mm -hmm. The interviews really, really got me. Um, it is going to be a very special episode. Yeah. So make sure you are subscribed. We are going to be speaking to the people behind the AIDS Memorial Instagram account. And Ash Kotak from AIDS Memory UK, who's aiming to create the UK's first physical memorial in London. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thanks a bunch. Don't forget, you can rate, review, subscribe, especially rate and review if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. If you're mm -hmm. not listening on Apple Podcasts, you can go to Apple Podcasts and just leave a review and then go back to Spotify anyway. Take a breath, please. <laughs> please, Matthew. <laughs> but do um, everything he just said, please. <laughs> we really, really appreciate it. 
I hope that you're all, all having a gorgeous month mm-hmm. so far. Mm-hmm. Don't forget your SPF when the sun comes back out. Absolutely. Uh, and until next week. You're doing amazing, sweetie. You're doing amazing, sweetie. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 